0: This episode of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast is brought to you by Beaver Creek Game Calls. At Beaver Creek Game Calls, all of our calls are handcrafted and held up to the highest standards. Our goal is to provide a quality custom call that every hunter can afford. We strive every day with this goal in mind. We also take pride in our customer service because without you, we wouldn't be able to do what we love and that is to make quality custom hunting calls. All of our calls are proudly made in the USA. Visit us online at beavercreekgamecalls.com and let us build your next call. This episode is also brought to you by Benoit Performance Baits. Bait and tackle for all your fishing needs. Benoit Performance Baits offers some of the best soft plastics for bass, saccalay, and saltwater fishing. Whether it's a day on the water trying to catch a mess of fish for a family fish fry, or a heavy bag to win a tournament, we have what you need and what the fish want. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok to place your order now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Jacob, Blastoff Waterfowl Outdoors Podcast. Hope everybody's having a great morning on this Daylight Savings Morning. I know a lot of you are probably change, waking up and you're changing your routine this morning. Things are coming a little bit earlier to you, but... I love this time of year because we get an opportunity to uh, have some little bit more extended days, longer days, and get more stuff done with the kids, or whether it's yard work and all that fun stuff outside of hunting season, uh, we get to take care of all that stuff and get it all done. But uh, thank you guys so much for joining us on this uh, new episode. This is actually episode one of season five, guys. We are already now in season five of Last Stop Waterfowl Outdoors podcast. And uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the support, guys. We never, in my wildest dreams, would have thought that we would be uh, five seasons into a podcast. And now you see podcasts coming up everywhere, especially, uh, you know, local podcasts, that type of stuff. Um, so if you guys are joining us this morning on Facebook Live or our YouTube channel Live right here, uh, we have a special guest for you guys that we're excited to bring in with us today today. And that is going to be Mr. Chet McDonald of McDonald's Taxidermy. So um, when I sent out, you know, throughout the season, hunting season, I was asking for topics that you guys may be interested in as far as new podcast ideas. Um, the word taxidermy kept coming up quite a bit, guys. And uh, and it's something that really us as outdoorsmen, whether you're a hunter or a fisherman, uh, or, or maybe just looking at, you know, educational purposes, taxidermy plays a huge part in that and it's something that a lot of you had questions about so this week this past week on our instagram page i sent out questions uh saying hey we're gonna have chet on the show he has you know nearly 20 years of experience in the taxidermy business um if you guys want to ask some questions send them in and we have uh, i was overwhelmed by the questions that we received this week uh, as far as questions for chip that we're going to get him to answer for you this morning, guys. Because I think a lot of you are interested in the taxidermy side of things, just like I am. It kind of fascinates me, but it's something that we never really have an opportunity to sit down and talk to a taxidermist and have that time to ask all the questions you may want to know. So it's something that I think we're all very, very interested in. And if you guys are tuning in on the lives right now, whether it's YouTube or Facebook, feel free to submit your questions. We can see them. We'll ask Chad. Uh, but we're going to get rolling here, guys. We're going to get you in, and hopefully we get a better connection than we had on the first try. And, uh, and we're going to start talking about taxidermy, guys, and asking questions. So we're going to bring them in right here. Let's we'll see if we can get them to come on in with us.
1: I'm in, man. You're in. Yeah, good.
0: Good. And I'm not getting the feedback on my side. So uh, second chance, I guess, is working here on on it. But Chet, thank you so much, buddy, for coming on with us on this. uh, You're actually episode one of season five. We are now entering season five. So you're the first guest on with us, man. So thank you so much. I'll be
1: easy to find. So that's good.
0: Well, good man, good. And like I was saying in the opening, I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, but man, you what you do for a? I guess it's a profession because you've been doing taxidermy for dang near two decades, man. Yeah. And that's something that a lot of people are kind of interested in, but never have the opportunity to sit down with a taxidermist such as yourself and kind of and kind of pick your brain and and see kind of what goes into taxidermy, you know
1: yeah it's it taxidermy is an interesting uh an interesting art you know and it, it is an art just like uh painting a a, a beautiful uh, picture or or a uh, sculpting rock or anything else is definitely um an art but the median is you know a dead animal and, and basically in taxidermy you're looking at think of this dead animal which sometimes uh you know you have uh your first time hunter usually about a seven or eight year old kid he comes brings you a duck and and it shot all the pieces and <laughs> you know how are you gonna tell a kid eight years old you know you don't want to be the, the the water on his fire so you know you take that duck and, and can you mount this duck for me sir and it's his first duck how are you gonna tell him well, son, you, your duck looks like the U.S. Army used it for uh, target practice. But you know, you just smile at him and say, "Yeah, son, that, that's a that's a beautiful bird that you shot." You know, it means a lot, and and he'll he'll look just the you know what you what you imagine it'll look like, and <clears throat> and uh, there's certain tricks to the trade and all to, to, to make all those little holes disappear, and and. Uh, and and you hand it back to the kid and his face just lights up and you know to me that's the most rewarding part is is a customer's reaction when you when you hand that that duck that fish back to him and and he's like man that's just how i imagine it or that's just how he was right you know before i shot him and and uh just you know give you a tingly feeling all over and and it really uh you know, I, I don't do this for a living, you know, I work, I work overseas. I work in the oil field for a living and, um, kind of started this as a side gig. And, um, I just, I just love that feeling when, when you meet a customer's expectations and, and then they return, you know, with, with another duck or, or a bass they had caught and, you know, to be a part of them and their lives, you know, when they bring their buddies over and they, man uh oh, let me see that bass you just caught or man where's that black duck that you you told me you shot and you, and the guy brings his buddies in and he tells them the story you know um of of, of the hunt and all that and I mean the story of the hunt is a, is a tradition that goes back you know scientists say we've been around a million years or so you know so it goes back as long as as long as humanity does you know we're all sitting around a campfire and you're telling a good story and and everybody's just you know you can tell that look in their eyes where they're just gleaned in and they're they're hanging on your every word and and uh it just goes back to that you know it's part of the storytelling of the hunt you know and and it's just taking it one step forward i mean you know uh cavemen didn't have the chemicals we have now
0: that's right that's exactly right different times for sure back then we've come a long way but it's, and, uh, it's,
1: at the spirit of it, you know, it's at the spirit of the hunt, you know, it's to have that have that animal preserved where, you know, and I've, I've had mounts that have, have lasted as long as I've I've been doing taxidermy. So they do last a long time. It just takes a little care and a little dust in every once in a while to, to kind of keep them at that shape, at that trophy level, I guess you could say.
0: And that's a good point you make, because that's actually, as we get more into it, um, that's a, a couple of questions that were sent in. Or about preserving, you know, that, that mount that you do and, you know, how is how can you take better care of it? So we're going to delve into that. But, uh, you know, kind of where you began, you know, you when you and I started talking and I actually contacted you through an advertisement that you had, uh, yeah. beginning of hunting season, you were advertising taxidermy for waterfowl and it caught my attention. I contacted you and we started talking back and forth. And we've been talking about doing this podcast uh, for a while now. We said we'd get together after hunting season when things kind of slowed down. But uh, you, you, have a, you have a pretty fascinating background. I, and I, I want the listeners to kind of understand your background because you, you're you right here in Guzman, Louisiana, correct? Is that where you reside at now? Yep, that's North where I live. Louisiana. But you told me something very interesting. You said, I'm actually a dual citizen. You had yeah. You told me at the time. So kind of explain that and, and – how you ended up here in Louisiana. You got a, a family sure. tradition. I know your, your grandfather was a big outdoorsman. You mentioned and that, oh, yeah. you know, he's tied into the Law Basin. Kind of talk about that for a second. Sure. Yeah. Well,
1: uh, I was born, you know, my father, my father was in the air force, which means you're kind of in the air force. That's So, right. uh, you know, we, we've lived all over the world and, uh, you know, I I grew up kind of during the Cold War during during the 70s and 80s, and our last duty station was Grand Forks, North Dakota. So that's kind of where I I kind of seriously started getting into hunting and fishing was uh, is hunting in North Dakota and, and fishing in Minnesota, which are man, it's it's world class up there. Uh, wow. I, I, given the chance, I would I would go back up there and, and, and live no problem. Uh, the winters are a little tough, but yeah, I was. We were stationed at uh, at RAF uh, Bentwaters in England, and of course, uh, you know, my mom had just came there and all, and and uh, but Bentwaters was a very small base, it was an RAF base, Royal Air Force, and so they didn't even have a hospital. So I was born at Lincoln which is the the base not too far away you know during the cold war they had a lot of us bases all across europe so there's all kind of small bases that that just don't exist anymore but Lakenheath is still an active base and uh i believe they base f15s there and that were that's where i was born so my first breath was of of english air and my first walk was on british soil and and i was there probably till I was about Four years old, and then my dad got orders, and we moved to San, San Antonio. And but when you know, right before I moved to North Dakota, uh, I, well, I started getting interested in uh, in hunt, hunting and fishing, and my dad would would take me hunting. You know, just the the normal father son thing there. And uh, but my dad really didn't grow up like that. My dad was kind of a city slicker, and as he says in but my mom, now my mom's Cajun. She's from a Vols parish and her maiden name was Sherry. And ah. uh, my grandpa had died when I was about 10 years old. So uh, my mom says, I'm not going to have any little wussy boys growing up. You know, Joe told my dad, you're going to take this boy. You're going to take these boys hunting and fishing. You're going to teach them all that because that's what my daddy would expect. So. My dad, he, he he was he had some friends and he was starting to get into it and on he was enjoying it too. You know, it wasn't just like on the to-do list, you know, uh, Correct. uh today and go out. And so my dad my dad had a real love for the outdoors and my mom especially, you know, when we went on family vacations, we would go to a place like Colorado to go to Rocky Mountain National Park, because my mom always said, you know, it's important to see animals not in a cage at a zoo, but in a natural environment. So we went up to um, Boundary Waters Canoe Area in northern Minnesota, and that's right on the border of Canada. And, uh, I mean, the, the lakes up there, the water's so pure. We, we literally drank the water from the lake. You could see 50 feet to the bottom, and uh, I was just, you know, you go up there and you're, you're camping, and everything you pack in, you got to pack out, and the rangers check you and so and the place really reflects it you know i mean that you could drink the water straight out of the lake says a lot about the environment you know and at at night we would lay there in our sleeping bags and you could hear the wolves and you could really hear the wolves call and and uh, we saw moose and and everything it was just you know that's kind of how i grew up you know we we went to disney world and all that you know i mean but uh my my parents always made sure that that you know, we grew up with an appreciation of the outdoors and 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 with the wild, you know, and, and have not this cellophane store wrapped experience of the outdoors, but you know, to go out and, and really be with the with with the environment, and that's something that's never left me, you know. Is,
0: yeah, that's awesome because you know she she really <clears throat> listening to your story there. She wanted you to experience some of her you know, some of her growing up, it sounds like, and she oh, realized yeah. that it was important to get y'all involved in that. And, and are you an only child or did you have brothers and sisters oh, that you hunted with? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got a brother.
1: My brother's not in too much, into it too much anymore. I think it comes from, like, his job demand and everything. But, uh, you know, yeah, there's not a hunt that I go on that I wouldn't want my brother there right beside me, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and we, my grandfather now, he was one of the founding members of the Grand Lake Hunting Club.
0: I was going to ask you about that. I remember you mentioned that to me. So you have a lot of rich history in the Chaffaw Basin here in Louisiana.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got a camp out in the basin, uh, on, you know, on the north end of Grand Lake. And uh, I, I go out there and every chance I get. Sometimes my wife says it's a little too much, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much. I always yeah. say that, you know. I, I yeah, I just I feel somewhat similar. Come uh, come hunting season, especially they, they don't see us, so you know how that yeah. goes. But
1: uh, yeah, it's it, 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 yeah, it, it's a small camp that I built on north of Grand Lake, and it's it's on just a real simple camp, you know, comfortable for two people. Three or four would be kind of pushing it, but uh, it's it's on state lease, and and I got the lease through the state very simple to get a lease through the state you just call them up ask them what uh they'll send you maps and everything of of what what campsites are available and uh that's the easy part now when you go down there and you start building the camp every stick of lumber you got to put in the boat and haul out there to build the camp so it definitely comes from uh it, it definitely comes with its challenges and it, 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 it kind of separates the boys from the men as they say, you know, that's right. But,
0: we, you know, we talk about, we say we come a long way in certain ways, but you know, when you have camps that remote back in the basin and, and we have numerous families from across Louisiana that have had their ancestors, their ancestors build camps or they've built camps and really we're like you said, the, t- the technology with that, you still got to roll up your sleeves and, and do it the way that our ancestors did it years ago, if you're going to do it nowadays. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, it adds a,
1: a little bit of a nostalgia to it. You know, it's like when when I was putting in the, the runners for, for the barrels for to sit on, you know, I know each one. I know where my grandson helped me, and and I can say, man, my grandson, he put that nail in there. And, and, I mean, my wife says I got a really good memory, but I, I, I really – you know, the kind of things I really I really cherish are, are those memories that you know I make with my grandkids and and that uh, you know they come along and, and they really enjoy the place. And you know, when you have a camp like that you're building memories, you know, and a lot of people no think uh to have a hunting camp it's you know you gotta spend a hundred thousand dollars and you know, it's it's so expensive and all. And normally it is, you know, but it's it's you know, you just gotta find you know just do the research and look and and dig and you can find those leases you know and you know when you build the camp yourself you know instead of spending you know fifty thousand dollars i spent five thousand dollars. you know so in fact that's that's kind of like where all my taxidermy money all goes you know past couple of years has been going to, to put into the camp you know
0: and yeah yeah and we're much like you are you know we uh we have a small, it's nothing fancy, but right you know, right along Whiskey Bay over there on the okay. on the north end of the basin, you know, and uh and we bed up right at the Sherbin Wildlife Management area. But, you know, it's comfortable, you know, and my yeah. boys coming up, you know, my, my oldest one's thirteen, my youngest one's seven. Man, Man they, nice. they absolutely love it. It's making memories. Every time we go there, they they don't realize it now. I think my oldest one's starting to realize it a little bit more because I've talked about it. But, you know, we'll go and just hang out sometimes because it's just making memories. And and yeah. I, we were riding out there yesterday to kind of clean up some stuff for the end of the season. And uh, I looked at him and I said, hey, I said, you still enjoy coming here? And he said, dad, I love it. He said, I love coming here. Yeah.
1: So, See, my, you know? my, wife, my wife put put my grandson to the test like that one time. She says, you really like going out there with Papa and camping and all that? And with, without hesitation, he says, yep, absolutely.
0: Yep. And and you know you've done it right at that point, Chet. You know you know you're you're doing something that is going to make a difference and create those memories. So it's a pretty awesome thing, man. So it's great. It is. But like I like I mentioned, man, I just find your story absolutely intriguing because you've been all over the place. You've hunted Alaska. I know that's been a big thing that you've done. You you have some trips planned. You had mentioned uh, to go on that. You know, and that's that's totally different than anybody. Here in Louisiana has had an opportunity to experience if you've never been, so that's pretty crazy. But uh, but really, what got people interested, like I mentioned earlier, is the taxidermy side of things, man. So we're gonna kind of jump in if you don't mind. We have a list of questions uh, that have come in, um, but just to kind of start off, how long have you been practicing taxidermy? Because I know I mentioned, uh, you know, I thought you were going on almost two decades. How long have you actually been practicing taxidermy? Yeah,
1: in, in, well just uh, Next month I'll be, have done it 20 years now. 20 years, wow 20 years, you know, I, I started out uh, How I started out was I was I, I, I worked for Halliburton, you know and, and back when I worked in the States In the Gulf I uh, I was driving from Cameron, Louisiana And <laughs> I, I They had uh, some roadkill You know, on the road okay. I won't say it is because I'm gonna get myself in trouble.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's
1: right. But, yeah. So I, I peeled him up, and, and thought, you know he was still alive. And I stopped. I backed up, and I don't know. he's he's fresh dead. And so in, and so I tossed him back in the truck, and I hauled him home. And and I had remembered that I had actually seen a book about taxidermy at Walmart. Okay. So I was like, man, that'd be cool if I could I could taxidermy him. You know. So. Uh, I, I went back, bought the book, and came back, and I just started following the instructions. And and the, the first animal, I I, 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 a taxidermy looked like Frankenstein. You know, and my dad. Was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my dad came in, and he was like, "Well, son, you know, he's always very encouraging." And he's like, "You know, Rome wasn't built in a day." You That's know, right? Yeah. He says, Wait, he says, "You you like ducks?" He says. Uh, duck season is upon us," he said. "Just save a duck and 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 start there." And I said, "Yeah, okay." It, he was like, "You know, don't get discouraged." And and this was, you know, back before in the when you know, when the internet was just in its infancy, and uh, so there was a few taxidermy boards and all that. I got on, and those guys are real encouraging to me. And they said, "Yeah, I remember my first duck that I that I mounted." Blah 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 yeah uh, you know just just keep going at it, you know just keep going at it and and you'll you'll get better and and it was, and I didn't give up and I just uh, you know the next one I got it looked a little better than the last one and that probably wasn't until I had probably mounted five or six ducks that uh, that that I, I got good enough to actually start start charging people
0: <laughs> yeah you had to get a little practice in first. Oh, yeah. A little kill, a little bit of roadkill practice, I guess you could say. That's that's pretty cool. That I wasn't expecting you to say that's how you got into it, but man, I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah, you got to just to start with a little fresh roadkill.
1: That's it. Yeah, I, I had uh, I had done a, a frog too. A you fan? know, a frog. Yeah, and he had actually got stunned. You know, because most frogs on the road are <clears throat> flat, right? That's right so uh and i'd actually just take him and and cast him you know Mm -hmm. and so uh and then i I I pour it in uh, like a latex mix and then i I put a primer coat on it and i just started just airbrushing and started and and after a while man you can get very inventive when it comes to taxidermy you know with taxidermy it's not is you know it's not like Putting together, and I, you know, uh, furniture for my kid. You know, you go step one, step two, step three. You know, and everybody kind of has their 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 way they go about doing it, and yeah. they uh, and they kind of stick to that that success. And I've had customers that have brought me uh, ducks that they had had mounted, you know, because they had shot. Like one guy he brought me a an old old duck and. And the new ducky shot, it, it meant a lot to him, but the bill was practically shot off. So he okay. was like, Man, you could take the head from this one and use it on that one. And and I was like, okay, well, that's an interesting idea and all, but I've got ways to, to fix broken bills and stuff like that, you know, with, with uh, a product called uh, AcuSculpt. And so I just kind of left that old duck kind of in the corner. And I wasn't going to do anything with it. And it was shown at page. So I was, just got curious. And I was like, man, I wonder how this guy mounted it. So I just started ripping the duck apart. And I looked at the dummy inside it and how he wired it. And he had actually used a, a fake head. And, and I had really never seen that before. I've always used the real uh, um, head. Yeah. And uh, I just find it makes a nicer mount because where the, you know, anybody who's, who's, these clean ducks will notice that there's a place where the skin stops against the bill. And what happens is a lot of times when they use a fake bill and they don't glue that real well, or they'll have excessive glue on there and all you can tell, you know, it, it it doesn't add to the realism that's for sure. But some people can do it, you know, where I'm not going to get on here and and hammer any other taxidermists and all, because like I said, everybody kind of has their way of doing it and people find what works best for them. And as long as the customer is happy, that's all that matters, you know? Yeah,
0: exactly. At the end of the day, if the customer's happy, you did your job at that point, you know? So, Well, let me ask you this. What are some of the biggest misconceptions you would say regarding taxidermy? What's, I'm sure there's a lot out there. Well,
1: you know, we, we can do a lot of things, but, uh, you know, we're not Jesus. We can't walk on water, or bring things back to life. You know, the, the biggest misconception I think is, <clears throat> excuse me that uh people will will bring in really hammered animals you know unless it's a kid's first duck or you know with the last duck that a guy's dog retrieved before he he had to put him down I actually had a customer bring in a, a duck that was 10 years old okay. that was the last duck that his dog had put to sleep and he had had this dog, Longer than he had his wife. Like when he met his wife, he still had this dog, you know? Wow. And so I think people will have some unrealistic expectations. And naturally, the better the condition that the animal is in, the better your mount's gonna be, you know? I can you, can, you can pull feathers and, and kind of hide holes and all that. Ducks are real easy when it comes to that. Uh, with the deer, it's a little harder because usually the holes are pretty pretty massive you, you know you had him Correct. <laughs> yeah if he shot was shot at uh 20 yards with a seven mag you know it's it's in he wants to make, make a dent in
0: him
1: oh man yeah it's gonna make a dent in it but there there's ways to cover that up too but um you know the more natural the animal looks the the, the better your mount's gonna turn out you know um yeah. a lot of times you know it's important to get wash all the blood off first. Not many taxidermists will tell you that, but a lot of times what happens is that blood will set in on the skin <coughs> and it'll start to taint the skin. Okay, now when, okay. You, throw in, when you throw them in the freezer, it, it, it's it's it, it's not a cryogenic state, you know. It, it, it's going to continue to deteriorate in the freezer. It's just going to take longer. You know, it, it slows okay. down bacteria. You have certain bacteria that can actually survive the uh, the freezing process and continue to act on that. But I mean, you're talking about you know it takes years and years and years. So for the best amount, the best way to do it is clean them off real good, take the head, tuck it underneath the wing, and um, and freeze them rock solid in the uh, in the deep freeze. Usually a deep freeze. I don't know if anybody's measured. I've measured it. and It's minus. 40 fahrenheit
0: in so, a deep freeze that's the average temperature
1: yeah that's your average temperature well, that's the average temperature of mine anyway <laughs>
0: you got to yeah you keep it cold you got to it's
1: bad, yeah so you put them in there just freeze them rock solid and then once he's nice and frozen then bring them to the taxidermy if you can't do that and you want to come straight from the field just hose him off real good uh get all the blood off that you can tuck the head wrap him up and uh Try to get them as, as quick as you can. If you know it's going to be a couple of days or whatever, you know, uh, definitely freezing because a lot of people, you know, they'll have a pile of ducks, you know, and ducks feathers are really good at insulating, you know, so if you you pile up your ducks, the ones in the middle are going to get roasted, not literally roasted, but they're it's going to retain the heat of all those ducks around it, you know. Man, that
0: makes a lot of sense, actually, you know.
1: Yeah, so you you you, you pull them out and uh, at least try to air cool him, You know, at least try to try to get him. If it's a cold, cold day, that's good. You know, do your hunt, do your evening hunt, and then that night bring them to the taxidermist. You know, the taxidermist will cut out some time for you to accept an animal, and he's gonna you know write your receipt and tag it and throw it in the freezer. You know, and and the the more care you have and the quicker you can get it to the taxidermist, that's. The, the better off you're going to be, definitely. That,
0: that makes a lot of sense. There you go, guys. That probably answers some of your questions. Right in the question. Let me ask you this, Chet. How many? About. I know you don't do this. You know, it's not a full time job because you have a full time job, obviously. But how many? How many animals do you mount on average in a year? Right now, not nowadays. What? What's? Oh man, I have I'd, to estimate.
1: Have, i got one customer. He's a repeat customer, and um. He brought me a load of about 10 10, 10 birds, and uh, some of them were pheasants, some were ducks, and uh, he came and brought them to me. I would say in a
0: given year, I probably do probably about 100 ducks a year. 100 ducks a year. And then you do everything. You do fish and other animals as well.
1: Yeah, I don't do deer yet, just because I've been so busy with ducks, you know, people have been pretty happy with my work, so kind of, a lot of it is spread off word of mouth, I do it here in my house, so I don't have a shop out, you know, with the billboard and all that, you know, but I definitely always look to expand my knowledge and expand my, uh, you know, the services I offer, you know, Um yeah, but, I, yeah, I do, dig, I do ducks, I do squirrels, I do uh, fish right now. I've, I mean, I've had some big ones come in. I do a lot of restoration work where a guy brings me, I had a guy bring me a sockley and, uh, you know, it was a, you know, a big sockley and he had actually caught this fish with his grandfather. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and it had been at the camp. Well, everybody knows you, you're not always at the camp. You don't always have somebody at the camp. And what happened was uh, just over time, um, just the the fish started deteriorating. And you know, it had with the with the mouth open, and you know, on a sockeye, you know, the 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 skin on the around the mouth is paper thin. Correct, correct. And so uh, it it started having holes here. Looked like a rat had ate up the head, and he was clean. Yeah, it deteriorated. Just time is not kind, you know. So correct. Um, he pulled it off the wall and, and he was just going to throw it out and he had seen my advertisement for uh, restoration work on mounts so he called me up and he said uh, hey man can you send me some pictures and he said can you do something with it I said absolutely so he brought it in and I just started reconstructing the head and then uh, reconstructing the mouth and everything and gave a good primer job and just with my airbrush I just started taking my time with it and it came out absolutely beautiful. And he was really happy with it. He was, he was almost moved to tears because his grandfather's not around anymore, but the mouth's still around. That's so awesome.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, that, that type of story. I mean, he was able to bring back that little piece of his grandfather. You were able to restore it for him. That's a, that's, right. that's awesome, man. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, you I, can do that. It.
1: that's what I really like doing. You know, I like being a part of it. I mean, nobody's going to taxidermy for free, you know, but right. You know, that is, uh, you know, you, you bring the money in and the money goes out and, you know, I can't tell you where I've spent all the money, but I can tell you what, I can tell you stories like that. And, and that's the things that really
0: mean a lot. And that's mm-hmm. what you remember. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, I got a user, a uh, listener question here, actually. So this is pretty interesting. And I think a lot of people would like to know this. He says, what would you do if you suspected that a client had acquired an animal through illegal means? You, well, into
1: that? Uh, you know, if a, if a client brings me a, a bird that's a legal bird during the, the season and has a, you know, and has a story about it, I'm not the game ward. The game ward's got to do his own work, you know? Good point. And, and, I mean, if a guy brings me, like, I can't take in more than, um, you know, from, from one client, I can't take in more than a... Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'll, I'll never like it. The guy, br- if it's hunting season, the guy brings me in 12 ducks, you know, or let's right. say 14, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 by law, I have to ask him where he shot him. You know, uh, if he shot him on what day did he shoot him, where he shot him and all that, and all that has to go on the tag and it's gotta be put on the duck and put in the freezer. I'm not, I'm not a wildlife investigator. Now, I mean, if the the, the wildlife and fisheries, if they've got somebody that's that's under investigation, and all, you know, I mean, they they come in here with a a warrant. There's not much I can do about it. Not, you know, yeah.
0: I was gonna ask you that. I mean, do you do? You, I didn't know if there's a normal procedure where you know all the taxidermists in the state maybe get a visit each year. You know, if you have to. You know, is there something on record to where they visit you or they have to have calls to come and visit you? Because, you know, a lot of – we have always heard that – I've always heard that, you know, a a game warden has more power than state police typically. Uh, They could come into your home and search your home without a warrant. You know, that's – I mean, that's pretty impressive power. Is is that a state game warden or does it have to be a federal game warden? How does that work? I'm not
1: sure how it works, but I know, uh, you know, in – 1781 or whatever. I know they passed the Constitution, and I know they don't have more power than the Constitution of the United States. So well,
0: that's a good point. Very good point.
1: You know, if they come in and they want to search my home, they they're going to have to have a warrant. I mean, that's gotcha. you know, just you know, my, my sister-in-law. She's a, she's an attorney, and I've I've asked her quite a few of these types of questions, and uh, and and she, her answer is pretty much the same as mine. You know, I think, you know, you can't. They can't search your home without uh, a warrant, you know. Um, you know, if you're out driving around, and you got ducks. Well, that's 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 a totally different uh, deal, you know. But all my ducks are tagged, and you know who shot this one, and who shot that one, and all. And you know, there's there's no like possession possession limit for a taxidermist or anything, okay. you know. That was, that was
0: that was another question I was wondering. Do you have? so many you could take in within a year or however that works, but yeah, as that long as,
1: how, how many my freezer can hold. <laughs>
0: there you go. That's right. How, be, how big the freezer is. So,
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, what I try to do, I try to skin them out and all, but I'll tell you what, uh, for the first time, I won't name any names, but for the first time the other day, I had a, uh, I, I had this kind of, kind of guy want to have his kick and eat it too. He came in and, and, uh, I noticed the duck was kind of light, you know? And I was like, that's a little weird, you know? So I put him in the freezer. I took the deposit from him, took all his information, and I wrote him, uh, text him his receipt and everything. And uh, so I started, I'll usually take out uh, three or four ducks to skin at a time, and uh, you can skin them out, and then put them back in the freezer, and it it saves you space in the freezer because you can kind of roll them up at that point.
0: Makes so When
1: I when I started, when I opened him up, he had already breasted the duck out. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then sent me what was left. And what? I said, yeah. And I said, hey, man, uh, what happens is when you do that, what happens is, of course, it's a bloody mess, right? So yeah. what happens is that that blood sits on the, the skin and it taints the skin. And what happens is the feathers can start falling out. Uh, because it's just like hair, right? If, you, you, if you've you ever seen a dead animal on the road, right, It was the first thing to, to go is all the feathers, all the, right. all the hair starts falling out, and feathers are a lot like hair. Okay. When you burn, when you, I don't know if anybody's ever uh, singed birds, but when you singe a bird, the smell is exactly the same as if you, you singe the hair. That's right. Uh,
0: you farm. know, growing up in uh, like what you said, your mom grew up in a false Parish. I grew up in Evangelion Parish. And okay. uh, we pot-roasted up hundreds of ducks over my lifetime growing up as a kid with my dad. Yeah. And uh, I remember that smell as a kid, and you never forget it. It smells like, like burnt hair. That's a very good uh, yeah. comparison. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, so I, 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 I,
1: I, I sent him a little message, you know, trying to be as nice as I could. I said, well, I can't guarantee, you know, Um uh, this duck I said uh, it, you know it, it might it, it might mount it might not mount and he's like well do what you can with it you know he said I just didn't want to waste the animal and that that's perfectly legit you know I mean you don't you know especially if you raise like I was you know you don't you don't kill anything you don't intend to eat and so you know they they kind of have this view of the, the taxidermist you know just skinning them out and take the carcass and you, you toss it and and that's pretty much what you have to do because if I gave meat back to a customer from his, and then he got sick, man. Correct. I,
0: You'd have some, some trouble on your hands at that point.
1: Yeah, I would. So a lot of times, um, you know, I, I don't take a chance with it. I toss it, but I mean, as sports and it's man, we spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this sport. You know, it isn't, I don't really consider it waste when you, when you you pill pull one duck out of the thousands of ducks that you've killed and uh and have it mounted in a way it's the opposite of wasting because that 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 animal's gonna be around for a long long time on the wall you know and yep, definitely Passed down after you die you know and they you know your grandkids to display it and they say man that's my grandfather shot that bear or he shot that deer or he shot that duck you know and it, it uh it adds back to that. I always go back to the, 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 the tradition tradition of hunting stories.
0: You know, correct. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, Troy, <coughs> Troy Fontenot sent in a question. He says, "Ask Chet the proper way to store a squirrel or duck before mounting." Which we kind of t- touched on on ducks, but what about yep. like squirrels? You talked you talked about squirrels. I know a lot of us growing up in, in Louisiana, we we have a lot of squirrel hunters out there. So squirrels. Yeah, you know, to preserve What's the
1: best way, Chip? Yeah, squirrels aren't aren't too uh, aren't aren't too bad. You know, the the problem with a, a duck is a lot of times if you 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 freeze him where his his neck is out like this and his, his body's here, a lot of times you know when you put it in the freezer, you know you're gonna have more ducks, more animals you put on top of that. If it's in a bad position, man, it, you know you freeze them so hard the neck could actually break off. So yeah. I always. Yeah, I always take the neck and and tuck him underneath the wing so it's it's more like, uh, you know, it, it's more like this instead of like this, you okay. know. And then you can stack other ducks on top of it, and it just makes for a better mount. Squirrels are a little different. I usually tuck their little arms and legs in like that and try to roll them up like that and then just put them in a Ziploc bag and, you know, c- kind of like if he was cuddled up sleeping, you know, okay. and that. That protects his legs for the same reason is it could snap off. You know, squirrels are a little more uh, resilient because the uh, the skin is tougher than a than a duck's.
0: Yeah, it's, duck. it's thicker. It's got more of a thick uh, coat to it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. It's it's definitely thicker. Uh, it's a little more resilient. Uh, the process is almost the same for a squirrel, but
0: um, it it. it. It's,
1: it's different just because of the quality of the skin and everything,
0: you know? Yeah. It's different than a duck. So yeah. Dustin Jumanville asked, he, he said, after you receive your mount back, what are some of, some of the best tips for a proper care to preserve it?
1: Dust it off. You know, if you get like the, you know, the old feather duster that you see in movies, that's yeah. the best thing in the world. And you, when I dust it, I don't just simply dust like that. You kind of put a twirl in and what it does is those feathers, it, it, nothing cleans feathers like feathers really you know right. and it, it'll kind of get the dust out of the uh in between the feathers and all and uh man it, you'll 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 notice a difference right away it just just seems to brighten right up and uh um yeah that that's that's what i would say definitely a feather duster and um
0: so no no sprays. You don't want to be spraying anything. Just basically dust it. Keep it. Uh, what about sunlight? Like exposure to sunlight possibly through a window or any of that type of stuff. Does that affect it at all?
1: It does. Yeah, that'll fade it. Uh, but you know that goes back to your selection of 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 where you're gonna where you're gonna where you're gonna display it. You know a lot of people you know their trophy room or their living room is actually just a, a sunlit area. I wouldn't go boarding up the windows just to save your mounts, you know. Uh, (laughs) But uh, just try to keep them out of direct sunlight. That will fade the colors, you know. Because when you get a first, get a a big Maui like that one on you, all man. That's a nice. That's a nice mount.
0: That's Uh, an old mount. That is from the eighties, Chet. That's a that's an old one, man. Took good
1: care of that mount, and yeah, see, I see your uh, your dead mount. That's the mount that started getting popular in the nineties. And I do a lot of them. You know, that, that's a beautiful man. A lot of people think of a gray duck as something boring and and, and, and um, you know, kind of like drab colors, you know. Yeah. But man, that it is a drab colored duck, but man, that
0: white on his wings just wow, just makes it pop, you I mean, know. I, I, I the more of gadwall we carry here, I thought you see some beautiful stud gadwall here in Louisiana. We blessed. And uh, it's a. I've always thought it's a beautiful bird, Wigeon, You know, uh, you know, yeah. that teal that you see behind me. For those of you watching right now, this one right here. or Let me move right here.
1: Uh, yeah, that's
0: an old one, Chad. Too. That one wasn't. Uh, that was probably one of the first mounts we got uh, as a kid that I remember, and it was it was done locally by a guy by the house. And uh, it's it's shown some some wear well over the years, but it's uh It's a cool conversation piece, and it's one of those things. It's a memory, you know, growing up as a kid, killing, you know, and uh, pretty, you know, it means something to me, even though it's not one of my best mouths that I have in my possession. It's still one of those things that's a great memory I have, you know.
1: Beauty really is in the eye of the beholder, you know. Yeah, and I see, I like, I like how you did all your, your, your pictures around and, you know, that. That's what it's all about. You know, that's what hunting's all about.
0: It is, man. We When we were looking at, you know, heading into 2022, my wife helped out. My my son, Jackson, and my youngest one helped out. And then we said, hey, we're going to be in the studio. We're going to touch it up, do some things. And this is what they came up with. I have to say, I have uh-huh. to give them credit. For the most part, they came up with it. I take the pictures, and then they did the – uh the interior design on everything. So, yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Well, thank you, man. It turned out pretty good. So, I'm happy with it. But, uh, like you, you, your shelf where you got, you got your box of shells and all that. I'd... Yeah, I got the shells. We got a bunch of different duck calls. I got some of the old, the old Yitzin duck calls. Uh, I mean, a little bit of everything. Some old Fox Cane calls. I got some Bayou Beast calls. I got a couple of, uh, Beaver Creek. I got a little bit of everything up there. So, I'm going to keep adding to that. My, my yeah. wife, that was actually one of the press. She said, "You need a shelf with some some duck calls." She said, "When you're in the studio and it shows up, which my big my big head is in the way and my broad shoulders cool. in the way, but uh, but it's still pretty cool. It does look nice."
1: Yeah, it's, it, it looks it looks it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I have a lot of um a lot of requests I have was uh, you know is, is what they call habitat bases. You know okay. where you got uh, a shelf. You know, with a with a piece of, just like you got there. You know, and they, and they want they want a place where they can display um, pictures and all. But usually, I'll I'll, I'll go out and get like uh, you know the storm knocked down a lot of um, fences, and so I'll take that fence material and I'll make like a, a a barn door for the back. You know, and I'll hang a dead mount there, or, or they want him flying or something like that, and and I always add in a shelf on bottom. And and so they can put on their, uh, their whatever they want to add to it, yeah, whatever they want. They want to put the 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 the, the brass or, or sorry the the shells from the the very shell that they killed that
0: duck with. That's real popular too, you know. Yeah, I want to do one of those. I think my buddies called it a box mount or something like that's what they call it. But uh, I, I I'm gonna get you when I get one of those special birds, I'm gonna get you to do that for me. I, I want yeah. I want want to add that to my collection. So. Well, uh, hey, continuing with the questions. I got a ton of questions, so hopefully yeah, you don't know. mind answering them. But uh, our Nate sent in a question. He put, what is harder to mount, a deer or a duck? Which I, I know you mentioned you don't get too much into deer, but yeah. you probably have an idea of what goes into it. So in your oh, opinion, what's harder?
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely deer. I mean, I haven't done deer, but I know the process. And, uh, because
0: of the size, it's so much harder is what it is? Well,
1: it, there's there's more to it like okay so on a duck usually you only got the head facing one side right okay. so You only got basically one eye is going to be showing i'm out just you know with both eyes in it but uh you know as a hunter we 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 have our eyes mounted straight on on the, the front of our head yeah you know and and deer are a little different. You know, they're not quite like a cow, but they're not quite like us, you know. When you when you walk up to a, a deer mount, a deer head, the first place your eyes go is on their eyes. So the eyes have to be fixated perfect. You know, if it's off, it, it's gonna be off and you, you may not even consciously register that in your brain, but uh, you're gonna go straight to the eyes. So you got the, the eye address. You've got you know, uh, a lot of times I hear from other taxidermists that the cape, you know, the okay. cape when they, when they cape it out, a lot of times they cape it too short.
0: Ah. So
1: you know they, they don't have you know the, you don't have as much as that neck, especially if you killed it like during the rut, and you Correct. know you killed it during the rut, and, and the and the neck is big and thick. Uh, if the taxidermist doesn't get uh, that uh, that dummy that's in rut. You're gonna have a big disappointment. You're gonna look at it and say, "Man, you know, the neck was bigger than you know. Uh, I imagine it was bigger, you know." Uh, so there's it, there's a challenge with them, you know. And, and on a deer, it, I know it's it's very vital to get your measurements, you know, because once you bring it to the taxidermist, uh, you know, it it's gonna be caked out, you know. Most of the time, people are gonna take the neck for a neck roast, you know, and they're gonna they're gonna bring just the head. With yeah. the kick over it like yeah. that. You know? So sense. you gotta get a good measurement. Getting really good measurements on a deer is is vital to is vital to it. So a lot more
0: detail, it sounds like a lot more uh yeah, de- yes. de- detail and That's the easiest way to say it, I guess you could say.
1: Yeah, and if, when you get up close to the mount, everybody starts looking at it. See, oh man, where's the stitching? Where's this? You know, they start looking behind it. You know, yeah. when I give a customer, it never fails. You know, when I give a customer a a, a mount, they had a little girl, huh? Little uh, and she was. I get very few African American customers, and I really wish I got more because, man, those guys enjoy the the, the, the outdoors just as much as me. You know, no doubt, no doubt. And those guys, those guys catch some some big fish. You know, yep. but um, and I don't know
0: too, Chet, because we're starting to see more oh, yeah. come into the sport now of waterfowl hunt. You know, especially oh, waterfowl hunt. That's oh, yeah. often, you know, like I follow, I follow the guys outside the land or no, I'm sorry, not outside the levels. Um, uh, there's a group on, on social media right now that I, I kind of followed throughout hunt season. And it's two guys that two friends that hunt together and, are out the mud outdoors. That's what I was trying to think of. I get those two names confused. All right, those guys are huge in the waterfowl hunting. And I watched the story on them talk about how they wish they would have got into it so much earlier. Um, Man, I mean, yeah. you're starting to see it more and more, and that's awesome. More people coming to the sport, you know? Yeah, yeah you do.
1: All, all and all, all races, all walks of life. And you're starting to see more women get involved in it too, which is that's which huge. Is that's that's a, huge. Back to the story, They had a, a, a little girl. She came and brought me a, a fish. It was a five and a half pound bass that she caught on a on a on a little Zebco barbie i think it was a barbie rod and reel you know and okay. i said you caught this fish yes sir i caught this fish and i said okay how do you want him and she told me she wanted him with his mouth open and and i said uh, i'll i'll have to send you the picture of it and i said and i said okay you know and then man it was a huge bet i've never even caught a bass this big okay and you know got in the freezer skinned it out and treated it and mounted it and painted it and everything and when I got it back there, man, her eyes are about this big. Ah, oh, she was just so happy. And I almost uh-huh. cried, you know. And I said, "Can I take a picture of you for my business and uh, and and use your picture?" Because her mom was there. I said, "You don't mind, dear," because you know, people are funny about kids you know, taking pictures of kids. So uh, she said, "Yeah." So I took the picture of her, and man, that bass is almost as big as she was. You know, right. she was probably about seven or eight years old and i said that's that's my youngest uh that's my youngest client ever so
0: that's awesome so, that's a good story and you're gonna remember that logo for a long time i'm sure uh, yeah yeah I, I, I,
1: I you know when i'm i'm gonna i'm really like hinging on doing this into retirement you know yeah. into retirement so i'm definitely gonna, i've got a picture saved and i'll you know blow it up and frame it and put it there my my wall space is limited right now but you know, it's it's just a great picture and she was just so proud of that fish, you know. That's and awful. That's a great sure. story. And then too, it's like, you know, when you have positive reinforcement from, from grown ups and adults, you know, you it it encourages her to uh to 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 keep on, you know, fishing yeah, just to continue to enjoy it. You know? That's right.
0: I mean that may propel her into the future being an outdoorsman, you know, for <laughs> until she has kids and grandkids, you know. That's right. So that's, that's an right. awesome thing. Uh, yeah. I have a comment. I don't know. Can you see this on the screen? It's from Blake ben Benoit. It says <laughs> an underrated duck is a dogry in full plume.
1: Oh man, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. They the uh, is you know some people call them blackjacks, You know that's a common name,
0: especially in in the we week. grew up calling them in Evangelical <laughs> parish blackjacks. You know. Yeah, and
1: uh, any diver duck. They're a little harder to mount because they don't quite get as as fatty, I don't think, as, as a mallard. You know, a mallard's been sitting in the rice field eating and <laughs> getting bigger. You know, they get fatty, fatty. Right. But a uh, I, I, you know, uh, they're absolutely gorgeous birds, you know, and there's slight differences between that and a ring neck, you know, and yep. you really got to know ducks to. To, to really know the difference. the
0: difference. That's right. A lot of people get confused on them. <laughs> you know, e- even as long as I've been waterfowl hunting, that's still, they still confusing sometimes when you kill them, you know, out in the field. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's especially like uh, until I started doing taxidermy, the difference between a canvas back and a redhead, is, is like a small canvas back can look just like a redhead. They do, especially the young ones. Yeah. The slope of the, uh, for me, the slope of the, the, the bill. Yeah. Definitely tells the difference in a difference, and and uh, and a redhead's got a different color, bill altogether. Correct, but yeah, yeah, he's absolutely right. It, they're just beautiful, you know, especially when they're flying tight in a tight formation. Oh yeah, they're wrapping around your blind like that. You you, you pull up on you don't know which one to shoot first. You know that. You no, know, you think, oh, I'm just going to shoot right in the middle of them, but man, you can't kill them like that. And you got to,
0: you know, change the limit on them. So they're are over the last two seasons they've uh, they put a pretty strict limit on them. So you got to be careful. That's a bird now here in Louisiana will get you in trouble with uh Mr. Green Jeans pretty pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it, it's um yeah, Mr. Green Jeans. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, it, it is. He's absolutely right. You know, in in full plumage, man, they're 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 a beautiful bird. Probably the only the only. One, Got yeah. uh,
0: last stop order, advertising right there on on the oh, bird. Yeah. Nice,
1: yeah, yeah. I like, I love all those uh, stuff like that. You can order, man. There's a whole industry behind that. Oh, they're,
0: they're making their money. Don't worry.
1: Yeah, they, there's to me there's not an ugly duck out there. You know, they're all unique and they all, I, I've seen now, I take it back. I have seen some, some hybrids. Now hybrids are unique to themselves, but man, they can have some ugly hybrids out there. You know, really? Make making one slap one duck, oh, you yeah. know, yeah. For, for screwing the other duck to say, Hey, uh, what the hell are you thinking? You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, right. that's exactly right, and, and that's something that they gotta bring to you because that's that could be a once in a lifetime opportunity oh, to have a hybrid. You know,
1: yeah, because you look at them, and you're like, you kind of just you wonder, like, what two ducks made this? Yeah, like, you kind of like have an idea, but in the end, you never really know. It, you never so. really
0: know. That's yeah. right. Well, another question from a listener here. Grant Terry has sent in a question. He put, what's the hardest and easiest duck to mount to display at its full potential? It's a good question, I thought.
1: I'd say, yeah, it is. That's a great question. Um, Probably a wood duck. Wood ducks don't get too fatty. Where a lot of the work comes in 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 taxidermy is uh, you're taking, um, if it's late season, or sorry, early season, and they fattened up. Yeah, Myself uh, is getting all the fat off of it. That's know? the toughest part of it. Yeah, because the fat gets real close to the skin, and you want to get all the fat off. But uh, and they make machines for taxidermy that it's like a wire brush, and okay. it's set at a certain speed, so you don't you don't rip the skin, but you end up ripping the skin sometimes. Mm-hmm. You got you to sew it back together and all. So I find the easiest way is just an old-fashioned pair of scissors, just cutting the fat off of it. Just cut, 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 cut. Yeah. But then again, you don't want to get too aggressive it because you can cut a hole in it too, and then there your back. Uh, ducks are forgiving because the feathers hide a lot. You know, makes sense. Yeah, but it, you can a lot of if it's a big enough hole, it affects the way all the feathers lay. You okay. know, because with ducks. You'll notice, especially when you pull them off the water and you first kill them, if it's an area that you haven't disturbed with the pellets, all the feathers are, are laid. Because if you watch a duck, they're constantly preening their feathers. They're constantly getting them in perfect alignment. Because when the feathers are off alignment, that it creates more uh, it creates more drag. So the duck knows his aerodynamics, and he's going to. Uh, you know, try to preen those feathers perfectly. That's amazing.
0: And, you know, what, that's just Mother Nature, I guess, taking course yeah. there. That's, But yeah, I mean, he knows what, what makes it easier for him to fly from Canada down to uh, the Louisiana Gulf Coast, I guess, and back yeah. up.
1: And especially like right when they're towards the end of the season where they're starting to pair up, you know, he, he's they're, they're like a 16 year old on the prowl. You know, they're they're trying to preen their feathers just like they're trying to, you know, believe it
0: or not. Or whatever, they're themselves, they, they want to look good for the ladies. That's right, they got to catch them that
1: they got to catch them a partner to, when they,
0: they fly back
1: up north. You that's know, that's
0: exactly right. That's, and you see it now because we still got birds down right now that I've, yep. uh, I've seen lately, and they're all pairing up. We have you know community ducks here in the pond, and they doing their thing, they, they're they you know, just doing their thing. It's that time yeah. of year, you know, makes a lot of sense, though. So,
1: you've seen a lot more, um, uh. The uh, the tree ducks, you know, yes. around Baton Rouge, and and they, they seem to vacate during uh, duck season. You know, you you don't see them around during duck season, but after duck season, I think they they I think they summer up there.
0: You, you know, what's crazy, Uh That's a that's something that we've talked about on previous episodes. Uh, you know, used to you'd see them early season till season. You'd see them. You know, makes you had to be careful because they were you know around big numbers during till season. And then like you just mentioned, you wouldn't see them during big duck season hardly. And then they'd return after the season. Well, that's kind of changing a little bit now from being out in the field and hunting over the last couple of years. We're starting to see, you know, the whistle ducks stay a little bit more during big duck season now down here in Louisiana. And even some of them staying year round now. There, there's areas that we'll run into that in the off season fishing, we'll see them, you know, which is kind of Kind of something that's changed over the years. So that they're starting to become more accustomed to staying down here year-round or longer during duck season than they used to, for sure. Yeah,
1: they, they, there's something very different about them because I mounted one uh, this year. A client brought one to me, and when I started skinning it out, it had no fat on it. Really? No, no fat. Even wood ducks will have a little fat, especially like right around the wings. It's all uh, land
0: and feed on a wrestler, pretty much.
1: Yeah, it, it's it, they don't really fatten up, so it, it makes sense that they go further south during during duck season. Yeah. And the, the their feather the feather construction is real different too. They're yeah. not, yeah, they're not like a normal duck. I tell you what, right.
0: I don't know if you've ever eaten them for table fare, but they are a phenomenal table fare. I've never had one. Are they they're good? good. It's very good, and more and more guys now. Since we're seeing more here in Louisiana, mm-hmm. you're starting to see guys talk about how they're they're excellent table fare now. It's a good yeah. eating duck; it really is.
1: Yeah, I think the only duck I'd never mounted yet was a was a, a pool dude.
0: A pool dude, yeah, which is super common down here. You know, in Louisiana, everybody uh, they either pass on them or, or all the boys below IT, ten they are uh, they, they cooking them in a gravy or or, or eating them for table fare. So, yeah, I they, like.
1: The gizzard, the got a big gizzard yeah. on them like that. Yeah, yeah. gizzards, man. They're well
0: known for the gizzards. Uh, so, yeah, they're all good table fare. Uh, we got another question. Chas Messina sent in. He, uh, he put best mount options for a dead hanging mount. Do you hang it by the feet or by the neck? I think it just, I've done it both.
1: And I think it's just what, what the, the client wants, you know. Uh, a lot of times it goes back to the duck line, you know. When you when you hang the ducts up in the duct blind, if yep. you've done the same year over, if you've done it the same way over and over, uh, in your mind you've kind of imprinted. You know, okay, it's supposed to be hanging from the neck because that's the way it hangs in my blind, and that's the way they want it. But uh, yeah, I really like the way you got your dead mount there. That that's kind of the way I, I I hang mine is. You know, I'll put a loop around the, the feet and yep. and put it up like that. Uh, I find, you know, because the uh, reason why I do it like that is if I have one that, you know, I say, man, that's that's full plumage, man, I think I'm going to save that and mount it for myself and then put it in the freezer. If you do it from the neck, it, it kind of messes up those feathers of, of the neck, you know. You yeah, start
0: to- I can see that where you have that little, you know, kind of rubbing on the neck, the feathers have flopped up a little bit. That makes yeah. sense, you know. So the, feet, I like the way this one turned out. It, it was done by a local taxidermist here in Ascension, um, okay. and, and it came out good. It came out good. I, I was very happy with it. I have to say, you know. Yeah, That's yeah. A good question, Chaz. I, I like that hanging by the neck. I don't know if I've seen one by the neck that I could remember, but uh, I always see the hanging mouse typically by the feet mm-hmm. is what I see.
1: Yeah, they they tend to, you know, when you put them on a lanyard by the foot, a lot of times they tend to slip out. A, a little more, you know. So, gotcha. Yeah. So, you, for for utilitarian purposes, I'd put it by the neck, but you know, for for a, for a dead mount, probably go by the foot. Or Not a foot. Is, you know, and you a lot of times everybody does it. You know, they they're going through the internet and they they find a picture. They're like, man, I really like that mount or whatever. That helps a lot too. Send that to you taxidermist. Yep. Um, it, and it is, it it helps. Meet expectations because you may describe something to the taxidermist, you know, just by word of mouth or you, you type it out or whatever, you want it a certain way. And then he picks up on that maybe a different way. And then, excuse me, and then yeah. when when you get it, you know, there's nothing worse than a, a, a client the
0: expectations not being met there because you had different visions of it, you know. Yeah.
1: So if you send him a picture of what you want, he'll try to try to. Uh, try, try to duplicate that and meet the expectations.
0: Yeah. Well, I got a fishing question. Blake B sent in question. He put, "What's the biggest bass and saccalay that you have mounted?" Well,
1: I've done probably, probably the, um, probably some fin work, some some re, uh, reconstruction I did on some fish. Now, I didn't mount them. They were really old fish. Like I, I told the, yeah, I restored them like the sockle. The, the guy had caught with his grandpa. That was a, a massive one. He had to go uh, two pounds at least. You know, I mean, it was a huge sockle. And the guy, I did a bass for a guy. Um, he had caught a big 12 pound bass in, in Lake Okeechobee. Okay. And that, that was also a restoration job, but. Probably the largest fish. Probably, probably that five pound I did for that little girl. You yeah. know? that's that big. Was, that's big. Oh, it was, it's a massive fish. You that's know, a big,
0: that's a big project—a five-pound bass.
1: Yeah, and and really, uh, I charge a flat rate for, for fish, and uh, no matter how large or small it is, because really, in the uh, it, there's a little price difference in the dummies. The bigger it gets, you know. I mean, for a redfish. You 24 inch redfish is one thing, but I did a 65 inch redfish and I had to charge a premium. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was. Yeah. That's, the largest, that's the largest fish I've ever done. Was it and there was two of them. A the guy had caught these two huge bulls, one for his wife and one for him. And in fact, it was a guy who had the camp. Uh, he's got a camp not far from my camp, and I did two two for him like that. You know, I gave him a little discount because he was bringing me too big fish enough but uh, when it, everybody always wants to know price right price 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 and some, people, some people charge per inch but I just charge a flat rate really because there's not much of a difference it's just it's a little more work to do a bigger fish than it is a smaller fish but then once the fish gets down so small then it's more work than a large fish because you're having a you know kid brings you a, a, a brim this big <laughs> yeah correct you got to get it there literally with a surgical scaffold to try to get everything out you can because when you soak it in chemical, you know, that's what preserves it, right? But mm-hmm. that chemical will will preserve soft flesh, but it doesn't do quite as good of a job as just removing the soft flesh from the from the skin. So small fish, I might even charge a premium on small fish because it is like… It's much
0: more difficult to work on.
1: Oh, yeah, because behind the behind the cheek, you've got you've got meat behind the cheek. So you got to get in there from this side and clean it out. You got to wow. go inside, yeah, yeah. Try to get out as much as you can. Yeah, yeah. It
0: takes patience for that. that I would make a horrible taxidermist, I can tell you, if it came down to well, that type of stuff.
1: Yeah, it does. And, and what you do is, you know, when you, if you, I try not to get frustrated. When I get to the point when I get frustrated, I just stop. I roll it up, put it in the bag and toss it in the freezer. That's enough. That's a good I'll, idea. I'll deal with that another day and 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 I do. And then, you know, I try not to when I'm working on taxidermy, it's not something I do every day. If if I don't feel like doing it, I won't do it because it it, it just it well, the results will be a reflection of
0: your your mood or temperament that day. I could definitely see that. You know? Yeah you know right. i could see that definitely being playing a factor into it i'll
1: say that yeah it is an art and and i try to to work on to work on it when i when i'm in a real good mood and i'm 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 like man i want to do some taxidermy i got some good ideas or okay i see how i'm going to get around that problem and i'll pull it out and work on it and yeah you know it's not just something that you know uh the statue david was just cranked out you know that was a uh, Labor of love and, and taxidermy is no different, you know. It's like I say, instead of working with rock and marble and paint and all these things, you, you're working
0: with a dead animal and you're trying to make it look alive. Alive. That's right, oh. at the end of the day, you try to make it look alive. That's difficult, you know, that can be difficult. It well, can that, be, again, yeah. I'm sorry,
1: no, no, it can be because people's expectations are real high, and it's nice when you can meet those expectations real high. Some people's expectations. Are completely unrealistic you know it's you know damaged feathers that's a big deal you know um, I try to hide as much as that but there's no product on the market that you could smear on there and 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 make a broken feather look, look natural. yeah and if you got just one or two feathers that, that are that are bad you can actually just pull those feathers and spread the rest out to kind of cover where that missing feather is. And you never know it was missing, you know. But then yeah. sometimes you get them where it's lots and lots of feathers and you know, just have to call the guy and say, hey, man, look, you got a lot of damage on this bird, you know. Uh, I can't make
0: it happen, but I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to mount him, I'll give him to you, but, you know, just be ready mentally, you know. Yeah. And,
0: yeah give them a heads up, kind of let them know what to expect. And that—and that's really, as a client, that's all you can really ask for, you know. Because yeah. they know, you know, they know they shoot this bird and they get it, and it may be a bird of a lifetime for them to kill, yeah. you know, that they want to have mounted, but they know it's damaged pretty badly. So going in, you kind of have that in the back of your mind that, hey, I, know, I hope he can work a little bit of magic. But at the end of the day, you, you kind of have a realistic, hopefully, idea that yeah. – Uh, it may not work out like I want it to, you know? So, but uh, but look, I know we're getting – we're just over an hour now, so I've taken up enough of your time, especially on a Sunday. But I have one question in closing that I do want to ask you. Uh, How do you think the public – in today's society, the way things are, it's crazy out there. How do you think that the public perceives taxidermy? Mm,
1: Well – I don't think that they really perceive taxidermy in a negative way. I think it's because that, you know, ta- taxidermy is a product of uh, it's a trophy, you know, and they well they love to attack trophy hunting, but, you know, that's, you know, people that say these kind of things are kind of ignorant of it, you know. Uh, anything can be a trophy from a hunt, you know. You could have just a, a, a shed that you found from a deer that's on your lease that you you know that's the big one. You've been seeing him in the pictures. He dropped his shit, and you want to preserve that. Yeah. Uh, a trophy can be your hunting license. You know, you know, you, maybe you had a loved one that that died that you hunted with, and and man, you you find their old hunting license. You know, that's a trophy. You know, it it could be a picture. It could be anything from the hunt that represents that hunt as a trophy. And a lot of people think that. You know, as as hunters, we go out and we, um, you know, go go out to maim and kill animals <laughs> specifically because we want a you know a bird on the wall, or you want a uh, a pelt from an animal, and you don't want the skin, or you want the antlers, or something like that. Um, uh, you know, and and that's it. But you know, anybody who who who's a normal person and hunts knows that, that a trophy is just simply um, um, uh, a memoir from the from the hunt, you know, that you yeah, take yeah. home you. and you. And as a taxidermist, we try to preserve that the best we can, you know, and, and meet a client's expectations. You know? it's, that's right. It's, that's what it's all about, you know.
0: That's it. Preserving those memories, like we talked about, yeah. and, and you know, it's not just about the kill. We always say that, and uh, right. you know, educational. What we do in podcasts nowadays, and we're talking yeah. about these subjects, getting out there and talking to them. You know, whether it's your know, YouTube creator or social media, yeah. all that stuff. It's all about educating everybody on it. You know, not yeah. just about the kill. That's that's for sure. You know.
1: Yeah, I've got uh, you know I've got several trophies from from hunts that I've taken, and I've got the. The, I've got the skin. A lot of people they pull the skin and it goes out with whatever you de-bone You leave the bones behind and they throw it out, you know. But I've got the skin from my first deer I ever killed, and I've got. The, I went up to Alaska um, in 2019. I killed a really nice black bear, and I did the I, 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 I cleaned the skull and I got the skull mounted. And on a black bear, that's that's what you uh, that that's what you measure for Like with white tail, there's a certain way you measure the, the yeah. yeah. Well, with, with black bear, you, you measure the skull. Okay. And, and you come up with a point. says so it's real simple. You measure the width at the widest point. And you measure the length at the longest point. You add the two together and you get a score in inches. So I've got one, I think he measured out at 16 and three quarter, you know, which okay. is, which, uh, you know, much larger than average bear. And, um, I've got it displayed. I I built a real nice cutout of the state of Alaska and I've got the the skull hanging on there and actually took the uh, uh, topographical map of the area that I hunted and I printed it in reverse. And then I I put the, uh, the, uh, Elmer's glue on the, on the, on the board there and I put it down and man, like magic, it transferred and everything. And I scraped all the old that's awesome.
0: That's
1: a great yeah, cool idea. I've I've got the I've actually got his uh, his penis bone on there, and I got the the shell. I got the bullet. I got my my oh, my yeah. my, uh, my license on there and everything. I got it displayed in my taxidermy room, and I've I've got the skin. I got back from the uh, the tannery. I've I've got everything. I, my grandson he wanted a, uh, a a claw, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, Necklace, so I'm, I pulled that out and I, I, there's, there's like some there's some material inside the cloth, you know. Yeah, so I definitely. pulled that out where it was just a shell and I, I made him a nice piece of jewelry for him and, and oh. he's still got it. He's, he's 13 years old. He hasn't lost it yet, so I guess it meant something to him.
0: Heck yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if he's holding on at that age to it, meant, it meant something to him. He's so. holding on to it and,
1: and you know, that's, that's several trophies I got from one hunt, you know, and hopefully... I'll take him back there and, and I'll I'll take him there before we, we go salmon fishing up there. And um, and he, he really wants to go back and kill himself a bear. So I said, Man, I know the spot. I think it took me like forty five minutes from the time I, I left the cabin to the time I had a bear down, it was only like forty five minutes. Wow. It was, yeah, it was it was an easy hunt. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> really? Yeah, it was it was a great hunt, and it's a, just a really beautiful place. And uh, if you ever watch The Meat Eater, yeah, the on, on Netflix, the, where where I rent that cabin is about as the crow flies. It's probably about twenty miles when in Alaska. Uh,
0: yeah, Alaska, uh, Alaska uh, terminology like next door, right? But yeah,
1: it's, it's on the same island. He hunts and and. Uh, and it's just a very special place for us. I got a buddy of mine, Brock Beal, and uh, we were going back up, up there, different part of the state. We're gonna go caribou hunting. Oh this wow. year. yeah. And so I've got my caribou tag, I've got my my flights booked. i man, I'm ready. I'm ready, ready. to go. go. We're kill kill us a big one. Uh, and uh we we kind of had to do it a little different because all the outfitters are booked up until 2024. Okay. So we started digging around on the internet. How do you do this without a, a guide and all? And we uh, we, we, uh, we we got everything set. So we, we kind of got around the whole guide system and all that. And, man, it, it made it a lot more um, economically.
0: Uh, oh, I can imagine.
1: Oh, yeah yeah because yeah. a guide we were looking at a guide a guide was like minimum three thousand bucks oh wow yeah so, yeah, we so you, like,
0: you just did it on. you figured out a way to do it
1: on a budget oh man yeah and then that my bear hunt I, we did that on a budget and man it was you know there was nothing cheap about it in, in quality wise and yeah. there's you know everybody talks about the you know, uh, getting a lease and all that, but I can tell you, man, the, the ducks don't know to stay on private property, you know, and there's that's right. There's a lot of, of 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 public land right here in the state of Louisiana that uh that that's free for everybody to hunt, you yeah. know. And and uh you know, I've, I've the only lease I ever paid for is the lease I got my camp on. That's it. You that's the
0: we're the same, boy. We've had You know, growing up in the rice fields and stuff like that, you know, we had leases and stuff At my parents did. But that's, you know, in my opinion, I I still pursue public land because, man, you're not limited, you know, to where you could go. And you don't feel obligated. I tell people that all the time. You don't feel obligated to Mm -hmm. stay in one area. Okay, I'm paying, you know, $7,000 for this blind here. Uh, If I don't hunt it, I feel guilty. Uh, Even though there's no birds or, or it's not holding the amount of birds or whatever it may be. You still feel obligated, you know, to hunt it because you paid for it. So on yeah. public land, you could you could move around, you could bounce around, go where you you know go where the birds are, go where you want to go, and you at least you don't have that that financial obligation, I guess, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. The the I used to uh, you know probably about just at the time that I got into taxidermy, I, a good friend of mine he 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 passed uh, this year but uh his name was greg andrews and greg owned catahoo lake guide service oh, so yeah. when he had overflow he would he got a lot of people in from all over the country and a lot of times uh he would have overflow and he wouldn't have enough he, he'd have more clients than Guy, so he gave me a call he's like hey chet you mind man bring your boat i, I got some clients and i'll pay you 300 bucks for the day Man, I'm taking people duck hunting and I'm making money. It was fantastic. You I'm know? telling
0: you, you get to play God for a day and make some money yeah. on ducks. That's they don't get better than that chip.
1: I did it for a week and I made some money, man. I did it for a week and, and the guys would tip me and up. And I'm a pretty good duck caller. So and there wasn't a day that, that people didn't leave without a limit. Because Greg Greg knew Kettahu Lake and he would put us, you know, he had blinds all over the place. Yeah. He knew where but, the birds were. Oh, he knew where the birds were, uh, and, and it come with a lot of a lot of work too. Because a lot of times the, we had mobile, you know, we had float blinds. So we would, uh, after the, the clients had, had had they had finished their their hunt, we would uh, move. A lot of times we'd move the blinds to a different area. So we'd do afternoon hunt for some other clients. So was, we had to pull, you know, you know, two or three hundred decoys. Move the blind and set it all up in one day. And, I, and it was a lot of work and all. Yeah. But, uh, man, when, when the client's leaving and they've had a great day and, 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 and we're plucking ducks and shooting shit
0: better running, than that.
1: Man, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. And I really enjoyed it. And, you know, Greg was a, a Vietnam vet and, uh, yeah, he was a little bit younger than my dad, you know, and, uh, he he got cancer and he deteriorated pretty fast and went. Uh, yeah, yeah. Man, I learned so much from duck hunting from him, and just like you know, how, you know, particularly on, on you know, this was one body of water, but you know, when you had a front coming through, you hunted the day ahead, or um, oh, yeah. you know, where the ducks would be working on, on this conditions, so the ducks would be working here on this conditions, the ducks would be working there he and. Oh man, he knew it. And he, he uh and and if he'd never take advantage of anybody, you know, uh, because unhappy customers are not repeat customers. That's so exactly right. He would uh he would call people, people would call him, hey I wanna come down, I got a weekend or whatever and he would say, no, nah, don't come down, uh, conditions aren't right. We haven't been seeing too many birds. So when birds show up, he'd start calling people and getting them in get and
0: down here, or get yeah, up here.
1: It was, it was great. I, I really liked working with the guy and, and my, in fact, my Alaska hunting buddy, that's how we met was he was guiding for Greg. I was guiding for Greg okay. and we just hit it off and, and, uh, he brought his wife back there on uh, the Prince of Wales Island and she killed her first bear last year. That's she awesome. was, yeah, it was. And, uh, it's, it's, it's a little different up there. You know, everybody thinks, Oh man, um, we're, we, you know, go up to Alaska, it's gonna cost a bundle of money and all that. It's it's just like down here, man. You can go to uh to Gate on, stay in a fancy uh lodge and all that, and take you out, you're gonna spend more than you'd spend in Arkansas. That's you know? right,
0: that's exactly. You can spend it. Hey, if you got money, there's a lot of places willing to take it that you can spend it on, that's for sure, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah it. it, it but it, it can also, Alaska can also be as, as cheap as you want it to because they're, uh, I think in Louisiana, it's like out of state license, like $300. There's 250 so And cheaper. yeah, and they don't have a bow season and a rifle season. They've just got yeah. hunting season. Hunt season. You, you want to use a bow? use a bow. You want to use a
0: rifle? Use a rifle. Makes sense. I mean, yeah. makes, they keep it simple.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, there is deer hunting up there. There's a lot of like. There's a lot of ducks you get up there that you don't get down
0: here. Yeah, it's on my bucket list to go get, get up there. Get a bucket king. Island.
1: Island. Yeah, go up there, up up in the Aleutians, and and you get these king eiders up there, and, and
0: yeah, harlequin, all all your sea ducks that uh, are you know crossing the I'll, the Sea. That's all fascinating to me. Trust me. Me and Jackson and my youngest son, we said once he gets old enough, we, that's on our bucket list. We want to make that trip. I
1: had a guy called me uh in and, and asked me if I wanted if I'd ever mounted one. And I said, No, I'm mean, you know I've mounted thousands of ducks, I said, but uh you know, I've never mounted one. I'm just honest with the guy I said yeah. like bring it in, I can mount it for you. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not carrying on I try to keep my prices low mm-hmm. because that's not how I make my that's not how I make a living, you know.
0: Yeah, it's a hobby type situation, kinda. Yeah, it's a hobby type situation,
1: and and uh, to
0: of the money. Work on the camp, yeah. take a trip to Alaska, do that type of stuff, like you mentioned.
1: That's it, you know. And I kind of make my money. I, I kind of make the difference up on on the number of ducks that I that I mount. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I try to keep because you know you, you got a guy, you got guys out there, you know, they're, they're not making too much money at work, you know, they they yeah. they're being a financial situation but they got a duck they want to mount you know I, and, and i do that for them you know because i, I think i think every, everybody should have that you know some people you know i think prices are a little high you know but you know everybody has to kind of make their um set you know with their time is work
0: correct yeah you know? right. that's and, a good point
1: you know uh I'm, i'll never mount you know a uh, taxidermist charges four or five hundred bucks for a duck uh that's their business you know and i'm not going to say they shouldn't be charging that much money you know but um you know i i know how much my time is worth me, you know yeah. And i do it in my extra time anyway so right. um, it, it's, it, I, I do a lot of work for for guys like that you know guys i pull up and you know their truck. I'm thinking, man, how you keep that thing on the road? You know, <laughs> that's
0: right. That's right. And yeah, they, we all, we've all we all kind of been in that situation at some point, probably.
1: And why why shouldn't he be? You know, I can do it in a, at a price that he can afford. You know, yes. and why and why, you make why it affordable why? for everybody? I'm making it affordable for everybody, and well, I that's think, awesome. I think that's I think that's just as important as as getting what you want. You know, I mean, some for people, that. say, well, you know, if he doesn't cheat, it's a cheap result well the only thing that makes a cheap result is you know if you you, you brought me a duck that has got 500 holes in it you know that's I mean? right yeah makes it harder for me to work on too yeah you you, you know and then and, you know you kind of in the end you you get what you brought me you know but uh, right. i think that uh that just because i don't charge a lot doesn't mean it's so gonna,
0: the quality is any less
1: yeah, yeah, sure, man.
0: Well, Chet, thank you so much, man. I have enjoyed this. I hope you guys are watching this, whether you're on YouTube, on our channel right here on YouTube, or Facebook Live. Hopefully, Chet still was able to answer those questions for you guys. Uh I know I had a blast, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And we're going to have to do Always. this again, man. We're going to have to talk, talk more. Uh, we could probably delve into a lot of different topics. You have a lot of history, a lot of knowledge. And uh, and I look forward to continuing talking to you, buddy. And anytime, uh, get my I got a bird I need to get to you. I know I've been putting off. I got to do it. But uh, but just wanted to say thank you so much for, for joining us. And, and how let people know how they can reach you, Chester? As far as reaching you, if they're interested in you doing some taxidermy work for them, what's the best way to reach you? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, and uh, let's
1: see, how am I? on facebook here is it, it's
0: chester McDonald's? is it your personal account
1: yeah yeah it's my personal account and just okay. send me uh, uh just would be chester mcdonald and you'll see me i got i'm holding one of my grandkids we went over there to the the, the mall where they've got the aquarium and all that so we took okay. our picture in front of there and uh just uh i'll probably change it after this and, and just you know put me with some mounts or something like that uh and just send me a, a facebook Request or send me a message on Facebook, and I'll be happy to, you know, answer any of your questions and all that. I got a, I've done mount, I've done ducks that have been in the freezer for ten years. That's the oldest bird I ever mounted. Was a guy had it in the freezer. It was the last duck the guy's dog. I was telling you about. He he had a dog that had that had died, and uh, you know, it was the last bird that the dog had retrieved. And he had this dog longer than he had his wife so it meant a lot to him and man i started skinning it out and it it was the skin was so delicate i had to do it all in one day I had wow mountain skin it treat it mount it and leave it to dry for uh and inject it and everything you had to get it done I did it in one day and it came out beautiful and the guy cried big alligator tears you know that's awful that's awesome Man, I was glad to, to to do that for you. And uh, but yeah, I, I'll I'll put some amounts on there and on. And I really I used to have a website, but uh, the price just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. Hell yeah, so yeah. I was getting all my referrals through Louisiana Sportsman. I used to run an ad on there, and but Facebook has by far been. How people have been able to reach me. Social yeah.
0: media—that's—that's that's changed the game for everybody yeah. now. Whether it's good or, or or negative, I guess you could say. Yeah. But, uh,
1: sometimes it sucks, and sometimes you get some guys on there. You you put a beautiful mount up there, and and they just—it's uh, like crap. They're just tearing you down and all.
0: You know, so cherry taxidermist at that point, oh, I guess.
1: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You see it all over the place. You
0: see it all over the place, but. But guys, you heard him say it. you could reach out to him on Facebook on his page if you're interested in Chester uh, doing any kind of taxidermy for you, yeah. uh, especially ducks. He's a, he's he's done a lot of ducks. It sounds like that is his uh, his expertise when it comes to it. But uh, reach out to him. Let him know you heard about it right here at Last Stop Autofile. You saw him on the on the podcast. You saw him on the YouTube channel. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the number two two five four zero two. Eight zero one one. Once again, that phone number is 225-402-8011. You yeah. can reach out to them, guys. But uh, well, Chester, thank you so much, buddy. We're gonna do it again soon. But no I've enjoyed it, and uh, and I'll talk to you soon. I guess, man, keep doing what you do. I'll be in touch on that on the bird I got. I want you to do.
1: Yeah, because it's it, it, sometimes you it, 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 it's difficult to find um, off season topics you know, uh, yeah. to, to, to kind of keep that energy going of, of duck season. You know, Correct. It, it's, uh, but, you know, it's the off season where you, you're cleaning your your, your, your decoys and you're, you're restringing them and you're doing all these things, to, you know, that makes all these little things helps with your next, you know, when, when season opens up around, you're not scrounging around. That's right. You, you,
0: you have it all ready, ready to go. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I enjoyed it.
1: I appreciate you bringing me on. And, and, Anytime, uh, man. Anytime,
0: yeah. I enjoyed Thank it. You. Thank you so much. You have a good rest of your Sunday, buddy. Go enjoy that extra, that extra daylight we got today. I will, man. Take it and easy. You take care. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. Well, guys, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed it. If you enjoyed this uh, podcast episode, we appreciate your feedback. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, right here on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page. Uh, we appreciate you giving us a thumbs up, even if you're catching the rerun episode of it. We appreciate that so much. And if you're on YouTube following us, give, give us that subscribe. We appreciate clicking that subscribe button so that you can be uh, informed anytime we have, you know, future podcasts or videos. All our new content coming out to you guys, it really helps motivate us here at Last Stop Retrofile Outdoors and uh, brings new con- helps bring new content give us ideas to bring you new content. So uh until next time, guys, this is Jacob with Last Stop File Outdoors Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Y'all take care and have a good day. Tired of looking for that perfect hunting or fishing boat only to see that it's out of stock at your nearest dealer? Well, welcome to Game Changer Boats. We specialize in custom aluminum hunting and fishing boats. If you can dream it, Game Changer Boats can build it. Top quality craftsmanship and attention to detail is what we guarantee our customers. And we are proudly built right here in Louisiana. You can visit us on Facebook at Game Changer Boats or email us directly at GameChangerBoats at Yahoo.com. Contact Game Changer Boats and let's see what we can build for you.